Welcome to the Covenant Life Center podcast. We're so thankful that you chose to listen to this message. To get more connected with us, you can look us up on all social media at CLC Victoria and download our app. Now, here's this week's message. But I want to go ahead and open up and start with the scripture in Exodus chapter 20. It's a scripture that Uh, all of us know because it's actually, it's not just a word of advice from God, but it is a commandment of the Lord. And it's in Exodus 20 and 12, and it says, honor your father and mother. Then you will live a long, full life. How many of you want to live a long, full life? I do. (laughs) So the word says what? Honor your father and honor your mother. That's for the teenagers out there right now. And then Ephesians 6. Paul, speaking to the church of Ephesus, says, Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is right thing to do. Well, he's repeating it. Honor your father and mother. And he says, this is the first commandment with a promise. It has a promise attached to it. If we honor our mothers, there's promises with that. And then Proverbs, one last scripture for my opening. It's in Proverbs 1. And it's verse 8 through 9. It says, my child, listen when your father corrects you. Don't neglect your mother's instruction. Again, for the teenagers in here, what you learn from them, it says, will crown you with grace and be a chain of honor around your neck. Amen. Aren't y'all blessed just to have such wonderful moms that you can honor today? I'm telling you, cherish every second, every moment that you have. So when I was studying for this message, I looked up how Mother's Day began in the beginning. And, you know, Mother's Day hasn't been around forever. In fact, it's only been around for over just a little over 100 years. It became a national holiday right here in America. And it was started by a lady named Anna Jarvis. And Anna Jarvis had an incredible mom, and her name was Anne without the A. Ann Jarvis was the mom's name. And so Anna Jarvis, being herself, never been married, never having children, her mom made such a profound impact on her life that she wanted to honor her mom. So she started a campaign to honor her mother and all the mothers around the world. And one of the things that she said, she said that she wanted to set this day aside and honor all moms because she said she believed a mother is the person who has done more for uh, for you than anyone in the world. And so she went on this campaign and it lasted for like four years. And finally, in 1908, that was the first Mother's Day was commemorated for all the mothers in America. But what's amazing is now it is celebrated all over the world at different times of the year, though, but all over the world. And it all started with one woman that made it such a great impact on her daughter that now all the moms are honored all over the world. Isn't that awesome? 
because it is our mothers who make us who we are. They're the ones that mentor us. They mold us and shape us. Whether it's your birth mom or not, there's a lot more mothers out there than what we even know. There's moms that haven't given birth that have mentored and poured into so many people, but they have a mother's heart because God instills this motherly nature in every single woman that there is. And I posted the other day on Facebook, and I put this quote, and some of you might have seen it. I had put, motherhood is the greatest ministry. Did y'all see that? Okay, that might not make sense, because when you think of ministry, you think of ministry to the Lord, right? But if children are a gift and they're from the Lord and they're our heritage, that is the greatest ministry we have right there. We are serving God by serving our children. The word ministry, when you look it up in the Greek, actually means to serve. It means to serve. And so, yes, you are in ministry, mamas. You might not have a platform, but you have a ministry right in your home, and it is the greatest ministry that you could ever, ever have. And so I also realized this, that what a woman learns after becoming a part of this, this club or this posse called motherhood, us women, we have a personality trait about us that we have before we are moms that is still there after we become moms. So that's why we look at each other and we see, hey, they've got different parenting styles. They've got different parenting techniques, right? Have you ever noticed that all of us moms are so different, but a lot of what our personality pours into our parenting style? And so all these personality traits come out in our different styles. Well, the other day I was talking to a lady and... Um, she was telling me, and she's a beautiful Asian woman. She's an older lady, and she has a child that's a, like a doctor and I think a lawyer. And we were talking about, I said, you must be so proud of your children. She says, yeah, she says, I was one of those tiger moms. And I was like, oh, I've never heard that before, a tiger mom. So I went and looked it up afterwards. But I'm learning something about some of these new sayings. And listen to this, what a tiger mom is. A tiger mom is one of those moms. This is the personality parenting part that I want to just run through real quick. That's a mom that is very, uh, what would seem like strict or a demanding parent. This is a mom that like puts everything into academia. They want their children to succeed at high levels in the academia field. They want them to exceed also at, at, uh, at other extracurricular activities, music, the arts. You see them push their children just to become this great, you know, successful to the world person. But, the, but behind all of that is a mommy's heart that loves. And the only reason they're that way is because she wants them to do better than she ever did. And then there's another term that's called helicopter mom. How many of you are a helicopter mom? Okay. So my sister years ago, I learned this about 15 years ago when my sister had her son and he was young. And we were talking and she was telling me, he was in elementary, and she said, you know what, Cameron did this, and this boy is bullying him. And she, she said, I went to the school, I bypassed the teachers, I bypassed the parents, and I went straight to the little boy. And I said, you don't mess with my son anymore. <laughs> I was like, whoa. She says, I can't help it, I'm a helicopter mom. And I was like, what's a helicopter mom? Here I am, I'm learning all these things. And so, anyways, this is what a helicopter mom is. She's very overly protective. 
And she even, in a sense, discourages her child's independence by being too involved in the child's life. Shelly, you're a good mom. If you're watching this morning, you're a great mom. <laughs> She's probably watching. But uh, <laughs> what they do when there's any sign of trouble for that kid, what they do is they go and they swoop right in and they rescue them. At any sign of trouble or disturbance or something uncomfortable for that child. But behind that helicopter mom is a mommy heart that cares. She might be overly protective. She might do it her way. It might seem controlling. But let me tell you, she has a mommy heart that cares. And then there's the mama bear. And most of us know about the mama bear. If you watch a mama bear and her cubs, you can watch how they are with their child. They're extremely nurturing, but they're protective in a good way. And they act like this a mother bear in every sense of the word. And what they do, they care, they're protective, they're helpful, loving, powerful, strong, and they give the best hugs. That's why we get, give me that bear hug. That's the mama bear. And it's because they care for that child. And then there's the eagle mom. And this one's new to me. And the eagle mom, if you study an eagle and its little eaglets, the eagle mom, what she does is she builds the nest. She brings all the food to her babies. And within time, as those little eaglets get bigger, what she starts to do is to take part of that nest out so it'll start shifting the nest so they get uncomfortable because she realizes that those babies are at an age where they are ready to take off and fly. And she's eager to see them be independent because she, what she does is she gets up on the, the edge of the nest and that mother, what she'll do, so she teaches them by showing them. She'll spread her wings out and she'll show them. She'll stand on the nest. She'll be on the edge of the nest and she'll show them how to flap their wings. And so what she does is teaches them and mentors them until they get an understanding of it and then what the mother does she'll get in the nest and she'll start pushing the little eaglet out of the nest sounds mean doesn't it but she worked with them she trained them she mentored them she knew they're ready their wings are big enough and so she pushes them out of the nest and sometimes those little eaglets don't fly so what does the mother do there's that protective side that mother comes and before they fall on the ground, because eagles are super fast, she will fly and catch that baby and bring him right back to the nest. And guess what she does again? <laughs> that mama pushes that baby out of the nest again. And then the baby falls and the mom whoop, swoops back in. The protective mama puts the baby back up on top of the nest. And she'll do it over and over until that baby actually starts to fly. And then she knows, I've done my job. I've trained. I've mentored. That baby is prepared and ready, and she lets it go and live like it's supposed to live. And then another new one. There's the elephant mom. And if you watch elephants, so go home and watch a video on an elephant and its baby. And an elephant mom, similar to the mama bear, but a parent that does exactly the opposite of the tiger mom, there are parents who believe that they have to nurture and protect and encourage their children. 
especially when they're very young and impressionable at a very, very young age. And that's often a mom that is one of those really comforting moms as well. And that's probably her strongest part of her personality is that she's a comforter and nurturing. And I would have to say, if I were to pick from these, that my mom was probably an elephant mom. She would not like to hear me say that she was an elephant (laughs) if she was here today. But my mom probably was an elephant mom because my mom's love language was acts of service. She loved to wait on us. That was her thing. It's part of her personality. And so making, feeding us especially, feeding us, right? Especially, that was my mom. If she could feed us, she felt like she showed us all the love in the world. But that was her love language. And so we had this room in our house growing up. And all of our friends that were really close to us, they knew about this room. And in this room at our house growing up, my teenagers, if we would put our clothes in that room, miraculously, when we'd come back, those clothes would be pressed, ironed, and starched and ready to be worn. And all of our friends knew about the magic room. That's what we called it. It was the magic room. My brother would tell his friend, he had a couple of friends have to live with us for a while. And he would say, oh, Brandon, just put your clothes in the magic room and watch what happens. And magically, woo! And we didn't even see mom go in there and take care of it. But that was her love language. That's how she showed us. Now, some other moms might be like, whatever, you're a teenager, go iron it yourself, you know. But not my mom because that wasn't who she was. Every mom is so different in every way. But one thing that we all have in common is that we have a mommy heart. How many of you have heard that term? No, I did not misspell it. Everyone's like, why didn't she put mommy's heart? It's called a mommy heart. And it's a new term that I learned 10 years ago from a very good friend of mine. And when the first time that she said, well, that's just your mommy heart. Oh, I've never heard that before. And I can't even remember what we were talking about. But it had to do with one of my children. And just, you know, when your children are affected by something, you're affected by it. That's a mommy's heart. So I was telling her and sharing with her. She said, oh, that's just your mommy heart. It'll never go away. It will be there forever and ever. It never stops. It never leaves. It stays there for a lifetime. I don't care if you're 60 years old and your mommy's 85 years old. That mommy heart towards you is still going to be there because that is your child. And there's something so extra special about a mommy heart. How many of you understand what I'm talking about? How many of you love your moms in here so much? No mom is perfect. In fact, let me tell you, what makes a successful mom is not because if a mom has struggles, every mom's going to have a struggle. We all have struggles because we don't live in a perfect world and we're not perfect people. But what makes a successful mom is that she is able to get through those struggles. She's able to get win through those struggles. And so that's what makes a successful mom. And so what I want to do is share with you about some women of faith. I'm going to get into the Bible now. Just had a little bit of fun with that there for a while. But I want to share with you about some women of faith and some of their mommy hearts, okay? And so the first one that I want to talk about is about Moses' mom. How many of you know the story of Moses? You know, you learned it probably in Sunday school. If you didn't go to Sunday school, it's one of the 
well, well, no, well probably the, one of the top uh, stories that you learn, like in Sunday school when you're a child, or that maybe you even heard about. But Moses, when we study the life of Moses, he had a mom, and her name was Jochebed. And Jochebed had other children. Aaron and Miriam were two of her other children. But they lived, this is from the Old Testament, and they lived in the land of Egypt at the time. And it was after the time that Joseph was there. Remember, Joseph had been placed over Egypt, and he reigned, and he had all this position and power. And so the Israelite people had favor with God at that time. Well, there became other kings after that that had forgotten about who Joseph was and Joseph, um, Joseph's family. And so we had a new king, a new pharaoh of Egypt, and he saw that the people of Israel, that the Hebrew people were starting to outnumber the Egyptians, and fear gripped his heart that one day they would overtake them. So he made an order to all the midwives in the region that were midwives to the Hebrew moms, and he told them, he said, to kill all the male children, throw them in the Nile River. And the midwives, they just couldn't do it. They couldn't believe that he was asking them to do this, and they couldn't do it. Uh, But then they made a decree, you've got to do this. Well, in that time period, Jochebed gave birth to Moses. And and the midwives then that had uh, delivered the baby since they couldn't do it. And so she kept the baby boy, and she hid him for three months. But he was getting older. You know, a three-month-old, they cry a lot. It's hard to hide a baby. I mean, how long can you hide a baby? I couldn't have hid Haley for one second. She cried all the time. Sorry, baby. I'm getting you again, wherever you are. But, I mean, you can't hide a baby for too long. And so he got to three months old. And his mom had to think of something quick. Because if not, that baby was going to be found out. Moses, who became the greatest leader in the Old Testament, he was going to become found out and killed. And she knew that. And so this mommy heart that she had of determination to see that baby survive had to get creative. And so what she did, because she was a faithful servant of God, and I believe God gave her this creative thought And so what she did is she made a wooden box, okay, if you will, a wooden boat out of things, and she put tar and pitch in it and made it waterproof. Can you imagine doing that and putting your baby inside of that? But she had so much faith and trust in God to do that. And so she made this thing, and she placed baby Moses in the, you see pictures that display it like a little basket. You know, when you look at children's little Bible story books, and it's in a little basket floating. It looks all sweet and everything, but you know it wasn't sweet and everything. Can you imagine the heart of that mom having to put him in that basket and and say that, Lord, I just trust you with him. I believe that he's going to fall into the right hands. And so... She puts it among, on the, in the river among the reeds. And so Pharaoh's sister, who had a heart of compassion, actually was the one that found that little boat. She told her handmaidens, she saw it when she went to bathe, and she says, uh, can you go fetch that, li- that boat or whatever, that little thing for me, and uh, the basket for me. And so they brought it to her, and when she opened it up, her heart melted because she had compassion inside of her. And she said, this must be one of the Hebrew mom's babies. 
And what she did is she decided in that moment that she was going to take that baby and adopt him as her own. But she needed someone to care for him and nurse him till he got a little older. So guess what? Smart mama, creative mama, a determined mama sent the little Miriam, his sister, to watch. And she watched and saw her find the baby. And she went to her and says, would you like me to find some uh, mother to care for it? And she said, yes, would you please? And that baby went back to his mom, Jochebed's home. And she nursed him and weaned him. And until she weaned him, she cared for him. But don't you know, and they nursed a long time then. So I bet you it was probably two or three years old before that baby went back to Pharaoh's daughter's house, uh, sister's house. And so um, uh, the, uh, Moses, Moses was taught under the tutelage at that season under his mom. Can you imagine his mom was probably reading the word of God to him? Can you imagine his mom was telling him, you're going to be great in the eyes of God and you're going to do something great for our people one day. Don't you know she was pouring into him things and prophesying over him the things that he would do for his people one day before he was taken out of her hand. She was pouring into him those things, but it was a mommy heart and determination to see that child succeed and live and survive and be all that God called him to be. But it started with that. And I know we haven't had things that serious with us as moms where we have to, protect, to, to be so determined to, for our child's livelihood, if you would, right? But there are things that we're determined about that we see that take place in our home that we say, oh, no, by the grace of God, that will not happen, right? So in our little world, not as serious as hers, let me just tell you a little story. In my little world, one of these things was an issue we were having with, hate. believe it or not, let me throw Allie and Caleb under the bus now. But Allison and Caleb did not like each other. How many of you have had, have had children that are siblings that don't like each other? Okay, I did too in my family, so I can talk about this. There were six of us, so surely there was someone that didn't like each other. But they just did not like each other. They fought all the time. And those of you that helped care for them, you know exactly who I'm talking about, or two. You know that. They, they fought all the time. From the moment Allison was born, Caleb had an issue with her. <laughs> yes, sweet, sweet Caleb, the one everybody loves. But for some reason, when Allison was born, he just was not happy about it. And they were like this with everything. But we got to the point that it got so bad that we, we just didn't know what to do anymore. We couldn't take him out in public. <laughs> We couldn't. It was embarrassing. I'm like, well, you take one, I'll take the other one. We're not. My mom would say, oh, they just can't get along. She didn't understand it. But you know what happened? This is pretty cool because God is, I believe God is a creative God, right? How many of you believe God is a creative God? So we prayed about it. And God gave us a really cool creative thought because we were determined. And we said, okay, we'll try that, Lord. Now, you see the, I don't know if any y'all have seen this before, when the mothers put the siblings in the same T-shirt, and it says something. I can't remember about getting along or something, right? Okay. Well, we didn't do that. That was a good idea, and I wanted to do that. <laughs> but this is what the Lord told us to do. 
He said, next time that they start to fight like that, and I'm telling you, it got physical. Yes, it got physical in the pastor's home. It got physical. <laughs> Let's be real. So what we did, we did what God told us to do. And he said, next time they do that, you make them face each other. You make them lay their hands on each other's shoulders. So it was like this, because Allison's down here, Caleb's up here. And this was probably, they were still kind of young, young teenagers, or not even a teenager. Y'all were still little. And he said to make them pray for one another. And we're like, oh, boy, this is going to get bad. (laughs) We didn't know what was going to happen. But what happened was really awesome because they started praying for each other, over each other. And before you knew it, they were both in tears and bawling, and not just in tears. They were hyperventilating. That's how bad it got. They were, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And it was the coolest thing. Okay, did they fight again? Yes, they fought again. But we did it over and over, because we were determined, over and over and over again. And guess what? I used to tell them, I used to tell, I don't know if you remember this, I used to always tell you, one day, y'all are going to be best friends. One day, when you get older, when you're an adult, you are going to be best friends, you two. No, no, no. You know what? They're so close. Today, they work together. Today, they're around each other 24-7, basically. I'm telling you, that's only God. That is only God. But that was a mommy heart of determination. And God gave us creative thoughts to help with that situation. And then there's a mommy heart of what's called dedication. And dedication is a big, heavy word, and it means committed and being loyal. And there's a mother in the Bible by the name of Hannah. And Hannah, this is where we get the word dedication from for our children. When we bring our beautiful little babies up here and we dedicate them to the Lord, we get this from the scripture out of Samuel about Hannah because Hannah was a a woman that was barren, and she wanted children so bad. But she was born barren, and she couldn't, and she tried for years. And her husband, he loved her, it said dearly. But he had another wife, and she had all these children. And so every year they had to go to the temple and make a sacrifice. And every time she had to go, and she had to be around the other woman, the other woman would torture her with the thought that I have these children, and you have no children. And talk about feeling demeaned every time. She was so brokenhearted every time she had to endure that because her heart longed to be a mother. And so we see her go this year again to the temple, same thing happening. And we see Hannah being there. And the Bible says that Eli the prophet, the priest, Eli the priest is watching her. And she's so desperate too. She's desperate for God to just do this for her. And so it says that Hannah was there and that she was praying to God, but you couldn't hear her. So her lips were moving. And honestly, it doesn't say this, but this is what I picture and imagine in my imagination. I can see this mother there with this heart of desperation, rocking back and forth, rocking back and forth with tears pouring down her eyes. And what she's doing is she is, telling God in that moment, the Bible says that she says, Lord, if you give me a child, I will give him back to you. But Eli didn't know that, the priest that was watching her. 
And he just was watching her, and he thought, she is a drunk woman because it looked like she was talking to herself. It looked like she was just talking to her crazy, right? But when he realized what was going on, and he prayed for her, after that, Hannah became pregnant, and she had a son named Samuel. And she waited years before she got to take him back to the, to the temple. But she stuck with her promise. And what she did is she dedicated him back to God by giving him to Eli, the priest, for the rest of his life. So God gave her this promise. God gave her this son, but she gave him right back to God. And he lived with the priest and was trained. And he became one of the greatest. Samuel, we know him as one of the greatest priests. And so it said in 1 Samuel 1 and 24, she said, it says, I asked the Lord to give me this boy, and he granted my request. So now I'm giving him to the Lord, and he will belong to the Lord his whole life. And so we see him becoming one of the greatest prophets after this. And that's why when we have those moments up here with dedicating our children, to me it's so special because that is a monumental moment that you are showing the world, the church, and God more than anything, that I know you gave me this child, and I just give you this child right back. Dedication to God is beautiful. And so then we see it again, and I'll give you another example, but this out of the the New Testament, and this is about Timothy. And Timothy was under Paul's tutelage. And Paul would look at Timothy, and he even said in the Bible, it says that he says, Paul, uh, Timothy, you have such a sincere faith. You have such a, a, a pure faith with inside of you, a sincere faith. And he says, but I know that it first came from your mother, Eunice, and your grandmother, Lois. And so Paul recognized the impact that those two women, women, his mom and his grandmother made on his life. Hence, a mother's, the power of a mother's faith and a power of a mother's dedication to God uh, raised up Timothy who, be, who wrote some of the books of the Bible, an important person, or has books in the Bible written about him, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd Timothy. And then... I believe this. I believe that Eunice and Lois, I believe that they knew the word of God and they poured and instilled that faith in him. And I believe they knew Deuteronomy 11 where it says, therefore you shall lay up these words of mine in your heart. God is speaking to people and in your soul. And he tells us to bind them as a sign on our hand as that that would be frontlets between our eyes, the word of God, that you shall teach them. I believe they understood this word, that you shall teach them to your children, speaking of them when you sit down in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, he says, and when you rise up, Teach your children the word of God, and you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. I believe Eunice and Lois understood this, and I believe they poured into Timothy that faith that they had, and it made a difference. They understood what it meant to train up a child in the way he shall go, and when he is not, when he's old, he will not depart. Amen. Come on, right? Train up a child. Mamas, grandmas, you can make a difference right now. You can impact your children's lives. I believe also they knew what it meant to speak over Timothy. 
I believe that they prophesied and they spoke purpose and life into what God had planned for him. How many of you have seen that scene from The Help? And she's not the mom, but she is the help. She works for them. She serves them, right? But she is like the mama. That mama had nothing to do with that baby. That's why I was saying earlier, sometimes there's other women that God puts in your life like a mom that mentors you, that encourages you. It's, you know, it comes in many forms. But don't you remember that part when she looked at that little girl and she says, what is she? You is kind. You is smart. And you is special. She looked at that little girl and was speaking things over her life. And I believe that moms of faith need to speak these things over our children. That we too can say, you are blessed. You are favored. You are the head. You are not the tail. You are above, child. You are not beneath. You are blessed going in and you are blessed going out prophesying and speaking those things over our children. Moms of faith have got to learn to do that. God honors it. So a mommy heart of faith and dedication to God teaches her children in God's way and in God's path. Amen. And then another one, a mommy's heart, a mommy heart of sacrifice. How many of you know what it means, moms in here, to sacrifice? Sacrifice means to put yourself before. How many of you would sacrifice anything for your child, even your own life? I would put myself in front of a bullet before I knew that thing would hit my child. There's nothing that a mommy wouldn't sacrifice her own child's life. How many moms in here would say, I would rather be sick than them. I'd rather have that disease than them. I'd rather take on those problems than them have to go through it. That's a mommy heart of sacrifice. And God puts that inside of us. God does that because it's part of his nature. And I'm going to get to that. It's part of God's nature to sacrifice for the children that he loves, that we love. And so we see this in the story of Solomon. And yes, there's two mommies there. And in the story of Solomon, the king Solomon, the wise Solomon, everyone knows him from Proverbs, right? But he judged people and ruled people because he was so wise. And we see these two moms in the Bible, and it says they were the only moms in the house. They both gave birth to a baby, so their babies probably were about the same size, close to the same size. And it says they were the only ones in the house, and I, I, I believe they probably even had to sleep in the same bed because it says that the two mothers that gave birth and were in this house, that during the middle of the night, one of the moms rolled up over her baby, and the baby died. And it says that that mom switched that baby with the other mommy's baby, right? Okay, so when the other mom, when they woke up in the morning, the mom, that was the real mom, noticed, because every mommy knows their baby, right? You know your baby. I don't care if you just gave birth to that baby, and I don't care if that baby's five minutes old. If you have already seen that baby, you know what baby is your baby, because it belongs to you. It came from you. And so, she sees the baby that's dead, and then she sees the baby that's alive, and she says, this is, this is not my baby. That's my baby. So, so uh, uh, an argument ensues, and they're sent to go be in front of King Solomon. And King Solomon's in so wise what he says 
to those moms when he has them both there and the babies there. He said, okay, go get me a sword. And he says, okay, let's just cut the baby in half. And one mom gets one part of it and the other mom gets part of it. Well, who do you think spoke up? Who do you think said, I'll let her have it. Just don't kill the baby. The real mom. The real mom would sacrifice even raising that child just to see that child live. That's a mommy's heart of sacrifice. And then there's a mommy heart of protection. And this one's a little bit deep because this is probably one of the most heart-wrenching, compelling stories about a mom that is in the Bible ever that I've read. And this is about a mom by the name of Rizpah. And Rizpah, if you look up her name, it means a hot baking stone. And this is certainly what she exhibited with a white heat passion when her sons, even at death, were killed and she was protecting them. So what happened was her two sons were some of Saul's children. And so when King David heard about this, King David ordered for all of Saul's children, there were seven left, to be killed because he was afraid of that lineage. He wanted to destroy it so they wouldn't come and take over again so that God can reign because King David loved the Lord. And so he ordered for this to take place. Well, Rizpah, two of those sons were Rizpah's sons. So they were killed. And so they're here hanging on a stake. And we see this mother in her grief and in her heart of desperation and grief. We see this mother. They, they, they stayed on the stake for months, y'all. She had to watch them decay, but she never left their side. She put a, a, a sackcloth over the hill and laid on that sackcloth day in and day out because she was trying, she didn't want to leave their bodies because the birds of the air during the day, she was fending and fighting them off. And then at night, the wild beasts of the field, she was so scared that they would take her children's bodies that she would stay up as much as she could and she would fight off the wild beasts. And so this went on until King David heard about this mother. And King David, even though he ordered it, had this compassion come over him because he couldn't believe that he heard this mother was still there protecting the bodies of her children. And so King David orders for the children's bodies to be taken down and that they would have a proper burial, all because of a mother's heart of protection, even after death. But that's a mommy's heart. That's a mommy's heart. And then a mommy heart of servant of, of a servant leader. We see this. Jesus Christ is the greatest example of a servant leader. He always teaches us to put others before ourselves. But he was the greatest servant leader that there was. But one that came right before him, the one that prepared the way for him, was another servant leader. And often thinking about what kind of mama had to raise that kind of son. John the Baptist, Elizabeth's son, John the Baptist, her husband, Zechariah, being a priest, would go to the temple and had to burn incense. And he did it on his season of time. And this one season of time was his time. And they were older in age, and they did not have children. 
And, but he always prayed that, he would, that God would bless him with children. But a lot of people, if you were to see them in the world, you would think they're way past childbearing age. But nothing is impossible with God. Amen? And so he goes to the temple this one time. And, and uh, uh, the Gabriel, the angel of the Lord, appears to him. And Gabriel tells him, Zechariah, Elizabeth, your wife, is going to bear a child, and it's going to be a son. And it says that he doubted, and he said something like, how could this be? Because he was thinking, we are too old for this. We're too old for this. And because of that, the angel of the Lord said, you're not going to be able to speak until that child is born. And so his mouth was shut, and he came out of there, and he couldn't speak. And so he knew, though, that his wife was going to have a child because it was prophesied to him. And soon after, Elizabeth became pregnant, and she had a son. And she named him She named him John. And a lot of people were confounded because back then, they named usually the child after the daddy's name. And they said, why, why John? Why not Zachariah? And they, uh, John couldn't speak, uh, Zachariah couldn't speak at the time, and they gave him a tablet, and he wrote on there. They said, what name do you want it to be? And he wrote John. And he became John, as we know, John the Baptist. And the word of God says this about him. He said, the angel of the Lord told Zechariah that he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. And he says, also, John, he will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. God chose him to, to prepare the way before the Lord. And if you look up the name of his mother, Elizabeth, because I think names are important. There's, there's meaning to every name. And her name meant God is my satisfaction. And so we see Elizabeth making God her satisfaction before she ever even had a child. She was already serving in the temple. She was already living for God. She already had this faith that whatever happens in her life, God was already my satisfaction. But God still blessed her with that desire of her heart and gave her that child, even though she had been barren for so long. But no doubt that she taught John by example. She knew what it meant to serve, and she knew what it meant to lead. And to be a mom, we've got to know how to serve, don't we? I mean, our babies aren't born able to eat by themselves. They're not able to dress by themselves. We have to change diapers. We have to serve our children, but we also have to lead by example. So every mommy heart has to have a servant leader inside of it. Amen? Because mamas of God, we are world changers. We are kingdom advancers. That's our purpose. That's our plan. Women of faith, women of God, we are called to be history makers through our children. And we got to have a greater purpose than just being a good mama. We got to have a mommy heart to pass on this gospel, the word of God, the faith that we have. We have got to have a legacy of Jesus followers behind us. That's a mommy heart of faith. That's a mommy heart of faith. We have to leave a legacy to our children because we're not going to take anything with us to heaven. Moms, we're not going to be able to take anything that we see in this world and the things we've done. We're not going to be able to take any of it with us to heaven. The only thing we can take to heaven with us is our children. That's the only thing we can take. How many of you mamas want to leave that kind of legacy? 
I want to leave that. I do want to be known for making a good gumbo, which I don't think I do, but they say I do. I do want to be known for trying to keep a clean house, and I don't think they're going to agree on that one. But more than anything, I want to be known for a woman and a mom of God that knew how to pray. More than anything, I wanted to be known as a woman that knows how to walk with God. I want to be known as a mother that says that my children can say, hey, I don't have the answers, but I know my mom knows how to pray. I know my mom knows how to seek the face of God even for me when I can't do it for myself. I want to raise up children that are able to say that and look at me and say that we are blessed and we are favored. I want to be that kind of mother. And so we see the last one, the mommy heart of devotion. And none other than Mary, the mother of Jesus. We see this in her life. She was so devoted. And she went to Elizabeth, it says, Gabriel the angel also visited her. When Elizabeth was six months pregnant with John, Mary was endued with the Holy Spirit and and would conceive Jesus in her womb through the Holy Spirit. And it says that she went to Elizabeth, her cousin, this was her cousin, went to her house. And it says that when Elizabeth heard Mary talk, that the baby inside of her, John, leaped and she was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she told her, Mary, you are blessed and favored among all women. Because she was carrying the Lord of glory inside of her. And Elizabeth knew it. But this mom, this mom that God handpicked, this mommy had a heart of devotion. And to be devoted means to be all in until the end, right? It's another sacrificial life. All in till the end, whatever it takes. And she loved her son And can you imagine him hanging on the tree and her having to watch him be crucified and take his last breaths? But you know what the Bible says? She was one of the last ones there. She didn't want to leave when he has already passed and the spirit went to be into heaven, that she was one of the last ones there watching, concerned about him, concerned about him. She knew who he was, but still in the flesh, his body there, concerned and longing for him but she was devoted till the end and not only that but we see Jesus being concerned for his mother because Jesus looks on her as he's suffering on the cross he's worried about her and we know this because of what he says in John 19 Jesus on the cross suffering he said When he saw his mother there in John 19, and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, who was John, and probably he picked John because he knew John so well, and it says he loved John so much. He knew that John would do this for him. And he says, whom he uh, loved standing there, he said to her woman, to his mother, here is your son, pointing to John. And here is your mother, John. From that time on, that disciple, John, took her into his home and cared for his mother. So even in his last moments of life, he was concerned for his mother. 
And at the end of our parents' lives, a lot of times the roles are reversed. If we're blessed to live long enough, the roles are reversed. And we have to be the one that cares for them, that provides for them, that loves them, that encourages them. And I'll never forget when my mom was going through her hard time and I had to do things for her that she didn't like. And she's just cried and says, I'm so sorry. This, she didn't want to be a burden. I'm so sorry. I said, Mom, stop. I said, this is an honor and this is a privilege for me. I am blessed to be the one to be able to do this for you. And it, it was. It was such an honor. It was such a privilege for me, and I still feel that way today. Because parents, they don't want to be a burden, but it's not a burden. After all those years that they cared for us, after all, after all the years that those mommy hearts poured into us, cared for us, encouraged us, loved us, how much more at the end of their lives should we just be there to honor them? And what a privilege it was for me to do that. We've got to cherish every moment that we have with our moms. We've got to learn to embrace our children right now while we have them and love them and leave good memories for them to remember. Leave good memories for your children so they can say that, rise up and say that, that your, their mother was blessed, that they were blessed. And so I'm closing in this. I want to share with you something out of the heart of God. Because if God created mothers, how did he know to put that nature into them except he had that nature within himself? Okay? So in the handiwork of God, in the perfect plan of God, what he instilled in us mothers comes from him. And there's scripture to back this up. There's a scripture in Matthew 23 and 37 where the Lord says this, How often... Have I wanted to gather your children together the way that a hen gathers her chicks under her wings? That was the motherly nature of God coming out, wanting that. And how could God reference himself as a protective mother unless he poured his compassionate nature into our mommy hearts? And listen to this in his maternal temperament. In Zephaniah 3, he said, He will exult over you with joy. He will be quiet in his love, and he will rejoice over you with shouts of joy. Doesn't that sound like a mom? But that is our Heavenly Father saying this. Quiet in his love that duplicates one of the tenderest moments between a mother and child. Because when a mother is in the presence of their mom, they feel complete. When a child is in the presence of their mom, they feel protected. They feel loved. They feel contented as long as they're in the presence of their mom, a child, right? How many of you ever lost one of your children? I have. Oh, God, I'm making all kinds of confessions. At H-E-B, Haley went missing anyway. But, and she's eating a banana. And all morning, she's like, I want bananas, I want bananas. Well, she ran to the bananas. That's where she was. But that feeling, right, not only for the child, but for the mother. Can you imagine? how it feels have you ever been there no y'all are some good mamas I'm a bad mom <laughs> oh goodness but how comforting is that when you not only find the child but can you imagine for the child how comforting that is 
to know that they're in the presence of their mom. I feel God feels the same way about us. And he wants to do the same for us. Isaiah 49, he says, Can a woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion on the son of her womb? And then he goes on to say, there's his motherly instinct about him. Surely they may forget, and some do, yet I will not forget you. That's his motherly nature. I will not forget you. See, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands, the Lord says. That is God speaking about every one of us. He has inscribed us on the palm of his hands. He knows every need. He knows every challenge. He, 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 he loves us all so much. And who better than the designer of mothers could explain this nurturing side of himself? But God, he is solidly our father, but his maternal nature keeps track of 7.2 billion hairs on each individual head in here today. And not only that, but he tallies every innumerable thought that we have in the moment we think it. He stills our storms, he heals our diseases, and he binds up our broken hearts. That's our God. That's the motherly nature about our God. He cares. And the most potent attribute of a mother's heart is this that God has, that he would lavish his forgiveness on each and every one of us. He said he will toss those things as far as from the east is to the west. And he says that he would put it into the sea of forgetfulness. Isn't that a mother's heart to forgive? How do you think our mothers got that heart? It came from our father. We have the nature of God inside of us that causes us to think the same way that he thinks towards each and every one of us. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Lord. His love towards us is exemplified through all of our moms in here today. And my mama, his love towards us. The mother's heart is best defined by her unselfish generosity and ongoing unconditional love and giving that she has. That's our moms. So thank you, mom, for being that for me, for showing me God's love. And thank you to all the moms in here that show God's love every day, every day that you live for your children. Thank you for that. And I want to close with this. A mommy heart just a little something I wrote down. A mommy heart knows no boundaries. Its love is unconditional and it is incomparable. Think about it. Think about your mama right now. A mommy heart is determined to see her children succeed. A mommy heart is one of provision. It makes things possible. A mommy heart is one of protection. It will go to any length. A mommy heart is one of sacrifice. It is selfless at all costs. A mommy heart is one of service. It prepares those that it loves. And a mommy heart knows no boundaries. It is dedicated and it is devoted to the end. That's a mommy's heart. I'm so thankful 
that God gave me a mommy heart. I'm so blessed to have the children that I have. And I know you feel the same way. Pour into them. Give them good memories to have with each other. Spend time with your moms today. I didn't want to make you cry. Let's leave here happy. Let me tell you, my friend told me, and I think I said in the beginning, it changed my world that day. I was having moments last week thinking, how am I going to make it through Mother's Day? This is my first, first time without her, first time without her here at church. How am I going to make it? And when she told me that, it changed my world. So moms, I'm going to tell you again, if you're a mom, let your children honor you today. Let your children bless you today. Let your children spoil you today, okay? Let it be a good day. Let it be a happy day. Spend time with those that you love, your moms most of all. All right? Amen. Thank you, Lord. Our mission here at Covenant Life Center is to help our world live, give, and love like Jesus. If our ministry has impacted you in any way, we would love for you to email us at info at clcvictoria.org. You can get connected with us through our social media at clcvictoria and download our app.